Welcome to the Maitripa College podcast. Maitripa College is a Buddhist institution of higher education founded by Yangtze Rinpoche in 2005 in Portland, Oregon. We offer two graduate degree programs, a Master of Arts in Buddhist Studies and a Master of Divinity, as well as classical Tibetan language studies. Founded upon the three pillars of scholarship, meditation, and service, the Maitripa College curriculum combines Western academic, contemplative learning, and traditional Tibetan Buddhist disciplines. Through the development of wisdom and compassion, our graduates are empowered with a sense of responsibility to work joyfully for the well-being of others. They become agents of positive change in the world and are shaping the development of Buddhism in the West. As scholar practitioners, chaplains, professional translators, doctoral degree candidates, leaders in the nonprofit world, educators, and more. We invite you to join us to make your practice your life. In this week's episode, during Maitripa College's Sunday morning community program, President Yangtze Rinpoche teaches, the Dharma takes root, Tibet and the West, and the foundation of a meditation practice. So Buddhism is kind of new tradition in the West, you know, like Nalanda Monastery, you know, there's a fully ordained monastic community studying and practicing, you know, I think uh, it will be <coughs> beautiful to, you know, kind of really rooting the Buddha's teaching in Western culture, uh, you know, basically the inner realization, you know. So, <coughs> uh, is of course right now the Tibetan tradition, you know, same thing. Uh, but, you know, in the future it may take different form, you know, basically, in the, the essence is there. <coughs> so, anyway, I think uh, it's a beautiful uh, monastery, and uh, now it's like a wants to have not only intensive study, but uh, trying to create more retreat place and more practice environment for the Western Dharma practitioners. So uh, it's like, that's amazing. Uh, but France have uh, so many Buddhist centers huh, for a whole tradition. From a whole, you know, it's interesting in France. Is, is France, Oregon is quite a big state, huh? which is bigger, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes. Huh? France is bigger, bigger, okay. Oregon and and the s uh, Washington State combination. The France is bigger, no, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, from south to uh, the hour and a half flight, huh? to to Paris, up to from Toulouse to Paris, hour and a half in plane. One hour and a half. But anyway, there's so many. Uh, all four tradition with this, and not only Tibetan but the Zen tradition is like uh, very interesting. <coughs> anyway, uh, <coughs> okay, <coughs> so. Um, 
No, I think when the Buddhism first came from India to Tibet, there's some challenge. You know, went through some difficult period, but <coughs> due to the merit and the karma, you know, Tibetans they work very hard in trying to preserve, really not depending for the person, depending to the teaching, not depending the teaching, the word, depending for the meaning, not depending only for the meaning that you understood through intellectual, but the through experiential level. So that kind of process uh, really able to preserve, you know. So basically this, uh, not depending for the person, depending for the Dharma, not depending that the word of the Dharma, meaning depending for the meaning, but the not depending the meaning by realize it by the conceptual mind, by direct perception. I think this is the, how you say, format way to preserving uh, the teaching, you know, kind of like a perfect way to, uh, how you say, utilizing. So, again, <coughs> I think this kind of like a process, you know, Buddhism, when come to West, I think this kind of process, way to looking, I think will be very important to whatever transition it takes, what kind of transformation it takes, but through these mechanism, observing and processing, I think will be really important. <coughs> then, of course, uh, I think one of the good thing early Tibetan masters, what they did is they did really translating the Indian texts. I think that really gives grounding into the culture. You know, you really translated the whole teaching in your own native language, translate. And then that really, I think, if there is uh, these several great translators, if they didn't put this effort, I don't think so, you know, Tibetan can have this rich Buddhist teaching to be able to preserve. So translation is uh, like one of the, I think, the key thing in the, because sometimes in the West, you know, you have this idea, your own thoughts, individuality, your own input. And it, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very important, you know, your own input, but first creating the base, uh, kind of like a creating this kind of balance, you have the main teaching, kind of like a pretty much good translation into the, your own language. And then based on that, you have a direct access, and then you have input, I think it becomes much more healthier. Then from second hand, from the, <laughs> from the several, several things lost into the translation, and then you're trying to put your own input, you know, uh, so, <coughs> uh, Translation, I think, is very important. And uh, translation, sometimes I think, is a very important translation happen through not only skilled into the word, but having the understanding of the meaning. And then plus, you know, culture's background and uh, the philosophy, the meaning, the 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 quality of a language, all combination together, you know, then of course, perfect translation. And then on top of that, if there's a translator have a something native, like a Tibetan native and a Western combination translation, I feel very important. 
you know, sometimes you can just walk with a dictionary <laughs> and then try to do translation and having some kind of skill. Maybe you can make some level of progress, but I think ultimately, I think kind of like a combination working uh, at this moment, at this moment, uh, at the beginning, you know, collaboration work will be crucial to, you know, kind of thorough translation into uh, translation. So, so anyway, <coughs> I'm trying to promote the classical Tibetan program at the Mitri Just <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, <coughs> One time we did lots of translation class, you know, they translate. And I think once a week, you know, we gather students together and translating. And then the students, they're trying to bring me butter and bread and, and each time translating and I'm eating and gaining some weight. <laughs> I'm looking forward to have a translating class. <laughs> No, we're having a good time, you know, all the, it brings many different things, we're snacking and translating. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so, um, so Lamrim, you know, like uh, this text is, uh, you know, basically one of the great Indian master called Lama Aitisha came to Tibet, and uh, and uh, you know he don't want to teach exactly how things taught in India. You know he's trying to adapt. So based on that adaptation, he composed the text called Lamp of the Path, Lamdun. You know, so he is really kind of. There's some, some history. When he came from India to Tibet, and Tibetan lamas, they have a broken, they become very fancy way of receiving him. And when he saw those Tibetan lamas with the broken and very fancy, he ran away. He said, no, this <laughs> he don't want to see these things. <laughs> this kind of very elaborated version. And he said, no, it, it, you know, I don't want to see all of you. <laughs> so then they really kind of transform and, you know, kind of. So this great, you know, the, the first thing he just kind of corrected, you know, without saying too much. <laughs> just the first time he just, I don't know, maybe he's in the, in the horse or something. He saw all the Tibetans. He said, no, I'm, uh, he, he, he corrected without seeing anything, <laughs> so then they kind of became. So this great uh, teacher, you know, he's, I mean, like he, at the, I think he passed away in Tibet, but he kind of observed the culture, the state of mind, state of their spirituality practice, what need to be done, you know, adapting, observing the situation, and based on that, he composed Lamp of the Path. And based on that text, then Lama Tsongkhapa, uh, this great another master, <coughs> he composed Lamrim Chemo, Lamrim, you know, Graduate Path to Enlightenment. So this is like, kind of like, uh, based on that. Uh, so, so, <coughs> uh, so basically, I think Tibetans are quite confused at that time. <laughs> Maybe. So he need to kind of categorize. This is the first, this is the second, this is the third. You know, small scope, medium scope, and great scope. So the way he structure 
I, I kind of assuming the Tibetans are all over. <laughs> They're kind of like disoriented, disorganized, or all over. You know, so that he said, okay, here, <laughs> this this is the small scope, this is the medium scope, and this is the great scope. Now you check it yourself where you are. <laughs> so maybe he's just kind of like a put it together. Otherwise, you know, like everybody saying, I am the Vajadara. <laughs> I'm the great, ma great. You know, like they all, they all wants to be the, 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 the great, the, the, the highest master. <laughs> so, this lamrim and the lamp of the path, really just bringing down to earth, basically. Yeah, Tibetans they receive so many teachings, basically similar like in the West. What's happening? You you got this initiation, that initiation. You get all over like random. You got all things, <laughs> you got all the teachings and everything. Then you say, where, where, where I am? <laughs> you know, kind of get, get lost. It's it the same thing in the Tibetans, like all over, and some pretending like I am the great, uh, you know, that whole thing, and then you know, this is the like composing lamp of the path, and the lamb is just basically you know, bringing down to the earth. If your state of a mind is this way, then you are small scope. Your state of mind is this, then the medium scope and the great scope. So these three categories, just to one way to look at it, is to just to kind of orient tension into the spiritual journey, or orient, orient, orienting our own self. Okay. <coughs> so, so this is a, uh, I think, one of the condition. Uh, so. <coughs> And uh, when Lama Tsongkhapa, when he composing this text, he kind of mentioned his intention is basically is, is he wants to really kind of like uh, basically uh, of course the target audience are other other at that time those Tibetans, but uh, you know like uh, his vision is. How to understand Buddha's teaching? You know, first turning wheel of a Dharma, second turning wheel of a Dharma, third turning wheel of a Dharma, and some another way to express is uh, eighty-four thousands teachings of the Buddha. Okay, so when there is uh, eighty-four thousand, I think definitely there's lots of things get we can get confused. <laughs> you saying this something was that was plenty things to question. So. One of the his bigger picture is, you know, Lamrim uh, composing Lamrim is really kind of how to uh, basically looking into the entire Buddha's teaching to not to contradicting but to seeing as a complementing. That's the one of the his vision for composing this text. Uh, of course. Uh, that's the bigger picture, but the target audience for the Tibetans, yeah, of course, they get com you know we get confused. Uh, <coughs> maybe things sutra undermines the tantra, or tantra undermines the sutra, and within the three turning wheel of a dharma, maybe they each other they contradict, you know, like this whole kind of like a different confusion creating. <coughs> so one of the main thing is like through. His vision of composing Lamrim is through studying Lamrim that at least we get to 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 understand and the all the Buddha's teaching 
not contradicting each other to able to complementing each other. That's the one of the, his vision. Okay, <coughs> and the second vision is uh, but he don't want all this information and knowledge as a just mere knowledge and information, but as some way to his vision to composing this, this so somehow they can become as a damga, <coughs> as a usually we translate as a special instruction, but it's basically something that it educates the heart rather than just the information. So he's one of the vision is all these composing this lambrim, his hope and his vision is that some way to able to educate the heart, the practitioner's heart, not the just the information. But the first one is about the information. You know, the first his vision is about the information, but to all this this you know vast information teaching of a Buddha to complementing each other rather than contradicting. You know, so that's one that's one he wants to kind of accomplish. His vision. Uh, <coughs> then the third vision, the third vision is uh, um, through this lamrim can become assisting for yourself to some way. Uh, To understanding the kind of, I, it's the word easy way is kind of looks strange, but you know this text, his his vision, this putting together may help for us to some way to able to access the essence teaching of the Buddha. So that's the one of the, his third vision. And uh, the fourth, he, have a, he, he put kind of like a four vision for the composing this text. The, the, the first, second, third. The fourth, uh, what his, his vision is uh, uh, negative karmic behavior, negative <coughs> intention. Uh, these negative intention and the negative karmic behavior or the habits, nietzsche, you know, rangarshipas, somehow by becoming familiarization and studying and practice of alambrim, somehow these are kind of naturally diminishing, 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 kind of like a, through the power of your own attention into the dose. So he put this kind of like a four vision for you know, kind of like a <coughs> mission or vision of that why he wants to put together uh, this text, okay, Lamrim. <coughs> so, so now, now, so if that is the vision, so now for us, you know, when we are studying this Lamrim, uh <coughs> Uh, 
you know, teachings <coughs> have a many different time and also for the disciples. You know, there's a many, many circumstances based on that, you know, Buddha gave the different different sermon, <laughs> no, different teaching, <laughs> different discourse. Uh, <coughs> so, uh, now, now, now for follow of a Buddha and our common habit, our common habit, even the follow sometime in the you know, even even a Buddhist follower of a Buddha's teaching, our habits kicks us and saying like, you know, tell me that what is the ultimate truth, then I will just follow. I don't want to have all this complex. Can you make me one ready-made meditation in emptiness? <laughs> Basically, this is our habit. You know, kind of like we we are very much oriented with a ready-made, just kind of like instinct. <laughs> so in the first vision, when he said the purpose of his putting this together, one of the vision is this, this vision, his vision and our habit is totally opposite, I think. His, his vision is talking like, hey, you need, to, you, need to, you need to see all the Buddha's teaching 360, you know, like you have to see all that things. It's not like, okay, give me the ready-made. <laughs> give me the final answer and I just, I'll just do that. You know, although it can be good motivation, kind of trust and things, but things doesn't work that way. So even for meditation and emptiness, uh, you know, for example, if we want to, if, if we, you know, meditation and emptiness considered as a, one of the, the most, you know, ultimate answer for all the questions. And uh, if that is the case, uh, to do that, like for example, different suggestions put by different philosophical systems, like mind-only schools, and uh, within the Madhimika, these are like uh, two different schools, and the early schools, like would they have like a lot of emphasis of a concept of a. Uh, concept of a dhagmepa, anatma, in the English translation is a selflessness or no self. Uh, I'm not sure it's a perfect translation, <coughs> but uh, you know, it's a meditator, uh, when, when you meditate emptiness, individual, some have to have an explosure into those concepts. Concepts and some way to kind of able to integrated, you know, able to detect, not through intellectual level, emotional level. You know, early two schools, when they talk concept of no self, selflessness, it's so much, I feel, is uh, our emotional behavior related with the self, and, uh, and particularly, you know, s you know, when we have an unhealthy sense of self, you know, that's the kind of like a very reactive s uh, self. So, anyway, so basically, uh, meditation of emptiness, if we, if we like, really kind of knowing the self, 
the naughty self, the bad self, the, the bad behavior self. Uh, so, uh, it requires so much into a, in a kind of contemplating, not reacting, and not repressing. Into all things allowing, observing, compassionate. That kind of observation becomes uh, fundamental to meditation of a shunya uh, emptiness. <coughs> So, uh, so, so basically, uh, you know, you know, s- some of a <coughs> understanding or observation of a notion of a self, maybe we're not able to elaborate it through logic and reasons. Some may we can able to elaborate it through logic and reasons, and uh, both have a freedom. It's not necessary to have the logic and reason to explain. But anyway, we as an individual person having these space to way to observing very compassionate way and very kind way to observing the self, uh, which <coughs> uh, so basically. Uh, freedom. There is some level of autonomy for within the our, for our own wisdom and for our own mindfulness. Uh, but the Buddha's teaching can be just kind of like a uh, cue and uh, just kind of suggestion. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, so <coughs> so so meditation of emptiness. You know, basically, uh, a clear observation of a self becomes a fundamental foundation, and based on that, all these no self, all these different ideas are just suggestion. Okay, uh, that's mainly what I'm trying to communicate. So. Uh <coughs> uh, then also uh, meditation of emptiness uh, I think we sh- we n- never I see this sometime I see practitioners oh I'm 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 not qualified to do that you I say underestimate yourself immediately you bail out <laughs> from meditation of emptiness. <laughs> I think if we are human beings, we are qualified uh, you know, to meditate in emptiness. Okay? So never felt like, oh, I'm not qualified. Uh, I'm too far. I think this is a really one main obstacle. Uh, <coughs> so I think... Uh, You can start any moment, sit down and just just walk with the word of a shunya emptiness, just the word, reflect it. That's the you know step number one. Okay, and 
if you're really freaked out, that's also good. <laughs> <laughs> Emptiness, no self, what's that mean? I'm here, like... <laughs> you can ruin the altar. <laughs> it's okay, it's fine. <laughs> if you're trying to meditate and you get more attached to that altar, then maybe more problem. <laughs> maybe that reaction is much better than need altar. So anyway, my point is, uh, if you get this kind of inner reaction into the meditation of emptiness, that's, I think it's a good, you know, your question is a deep question and your reaction coming very spontaneously. Uh, <coughs> although it may doesn't look like perfect answer like a Nagarjuna's, but I think it's a perfect for our, we, we as an individual person, you know, what means emptiness, you know, like, when you're reading Heart Sutra, you know, it looks like uh, somebody's totally gone crazy. <laughs> read Heart Sutra. <laughs> so, uh, there's a one of my students, and she told me she cannot sleep. She has a sleeping problem. And she says, and uh, she asked me to have some mantra or some teaching, what to do, visualization, and things. She asked me many. I said, well, you read this text called Nagarjuna's Rude Wisdom. <laughs> Before you go sleep, you read this one. <laughs> it puts you really good sleep. <laughs> and she said, okay, where I can find this text? And I said, you know, you can find it. Go on the internet, you can find that. So then she wrote me back. She said, Rinpoche, I don't understand anything. <laughs> That's good, that's good. Continue <laughs> reading that. <laughs> Continue reading that. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, <coughs> so, uh, then, uh, then of, of course, uh, in the meditation, particularly in the meditation, uh, um, <coughs> you know, this teaching have a several lamrim have a several different style way of teaching, and uh, I think there's a sheti nyamti nyamti. Mati. Uh, there's a four different uh, approach way of his teaching. Uh, one is just like a kind of much more kind of orientation, educational kind of laying out all the uh, structure. Uh, one is nyongti uh, is one is like require the teacher when you're teaching specific topic. Specific topic require uh, three times by the by the instructor, kind of like a uh, three three times. You need to repeat it. Of course, more summary wise, much more elaborated in summary and essence. But then s the students require kind of going through all the reviewing. So it's kind of like a, that four steps. You know, the instructor have to go through three steps. And uh, 
the students have to go through reviewing the whole. So this kind of like a structure, there's a one structure is like that, like a three way, th you know, three different level of inst instruction was given, and the students kind of review me review meditation into that. That's the one style. Uh, and the Nyongti is uh, is is called basically much more experiential, literally means experiential teaching, but. Uh, Um, you know, basically, this uh, <coughs> it is a little bit like a guided meditation. I'll say that it's a little bit like a little much more kind of like a guided meditation approach. <coughs> okay. Uh, then the fourth one, the mati, is basically. Uh, is mati is a little bit like a in a in a Mahamudra teaching, this kind of pointing uh, instruction, in a similar in a Lamrim, they have a mati, have a kind of like a kind of like a pointing instruction. You know, like you're not, you know, not you're you're going through this process. Okay, this is what's happening. Kind of like a <coughs> uh, you know, teacher and student having kind of conversations, and students kind of like a, the process was a kind of like a expressed it. And teachers kind of pointing. Okay, you are here. Okay, you need to. It's much more kind of like a pointing instruction teaching. So basically, uh, the within the fourth style, the first two is kind of like a much more into the bigger audience setting. Kind of like a s third and fourth is much more person to person for individual to individual. Uh, so uh, different <coughs> and different styles this, uh, teaching is approach. Okay. <coughs> Uh, then, uh, uh, so now in uh, this Lamrim meditation, uh, it, as I mentioned earlier, there's this kind of like a review meditation, reviewing, you know, kind of the path. The review, a review meditation becomes kind of one of the really important part. If you have a really good reviewing meditation, review meditation, you can say that. Okay, then really that can help for our own actual meditation. You know, so sometimes what happens for us, uh, we are we have a lack of review meditation, and then we have a strong expectation of actual meditation. You know, that's what's what's happens in our general challenge, because a review meditation really kind of gives you the whole picture, that kind of like a orientation for your own self. Then when you have a meditation which is a kind of like a specific point, and that's really kind of help our meditation to go much more deeper because of that uh, review meditation, that foundation kind of helps to <coughs> grounding our actual meditation. So, uh, so usually we don't put too much effort for review meditation because review meditation is basically, like for example, example is like if you are meditating for 
impermanent. What kind of review meditation prepare for you doing the impermanent meditation is basically the review meditation can be concluded all small scope. The review meditation can include entire medium scope. You go through that kind of approach as a kind of your own supporting conditions and then state of that, then you're going into a specific subject which is impermanent, you're going through that. So, uh, so it, uh, the, our habit is uh, like, what is my topic today? Impermanent, we just jump straight to the impermanent meditation without kind of preparing a review meditation. That's kind of like a sets you into the, the almost like the, like the <coughs> environment of your meditation, inner environment, that review meditation kind of sets you. So, uh, <coughs> Uh, so lumbering meditator should be a really kind of like a well-orientated, well-trained into the review meditation into the lumbering. So basically in Tibet, in early time, there's a, some of the masters, uh, there's a known for them saying like, uh, there's one great master, I think Tukim Chuginima or Changi Doji, one of those great masters. And in the early time Tibet, you know, they you know, they, they ride horse <coughs> in travelling. So the the saying is when he puts I say the the horse uh, hoof, you've put you put your one leg and then you you know during that period, you know, like put <laughs> the during that that timing this master able to do a review meditation entire lumbering. So that's kind of like <laughs> I mean like today is more difficult. You have like instant <laughs> you know like lock and unlock. It's where you can do a review meditation while you go unlocking your car. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so somehow review meditations <coughs> becomes kind of like a really important so now in in that case like for example meditation of emptiness what is the review meditation you know that kind of like a supporting condition for the for that meditation <coughs> okay so these things uh okay <coughs> So like, like this master of teacher can do review meditation entire lamrim. That means like he can kind of, I don't know, review meditation. Let me let me say this way. <laughs> okay, you have a Google map. <laughs> okay, you know exact point where you have to go. Then you zoom out. When you zoom out. You have an entire picture, point, point A to point Z. So I will say something like that, a review meditation somehow, although you, you're able to orient it entire from where you're starting and where you're going to end. You know, when, you know sometimes Google map, <laughs> Google map, Google map to enlightenment. Okay. <laughs> So review meditation is uh, something that somehow you're able to picture entire. Yes. So if you were to, for instance, recite the foundation of all good qualities without 
Excellent, excellent example. Foundation of good quality will be perfect. You know, the entire can be the perfect review meditation, but it is integrated with a, some kind of inspiration. But it have a perfect picture. Yes, perfect, perfect. I don't need to go to the Google Maps. <laughs> I just go to the foundation of the good quality. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yes, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. That's the exactly. Like same thing when you're driving, you want to see entire, then you have a very specific road. You know, it's, 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 I would say review meditation is like, you know, kind of seeing entire picture and then review meditation is something like that. Then your own concentration meditation is very specific. Um, now, now in the the Usually, okay, now, of course, we can talk so many things about meditation, meditation, but I think most important, waste the time for meditating. <laughs> this is, I think, number one. Uh, before you're starting different meditation, do I have the time for meditate? I think this meditation into the time for meditation, I think, this is, I think, really important, I think. Uh, so, uh, until we didn't get clear for this time for meditation, and then otherwise meditation becomes another hobby. You know, you, know, you play a little bit, <laughs> and then you kind of... You know. So, I think before, you know, like, I think, you know, you, if you're doing some meditation, it's great, but really working with the time. And the time over here is not so much breaking down, you know, okay, I'll not, it's not about scheduling. Okay? It's not about scheduling. Sometimes we get trying to uh, scheduling. Meditation, meditation time, what do you say? Time of meditation? How, what do, how do you say that? Huh? To finding the time for meditation is not about scheduling your meditation. I think we might jump into that. Uh, I think uh, scheduling is... Uh, and If you schedule meditation, of course it's good, but then, yeah, yeah, maybe at the beginning we have to schedule, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but I think only option at the beginning we need to schedule, but that is the not final answer to finding the time for meditation. Basically, my point over here is the scheduling doesn't answer entire the time of you know finding the time of the meditation. <coughs> so uh, I think this is a complex. We need to kind of like uh, t 
what, what, what really means finding the time for meditation is not about scheduling. Scheduling is like very, very one tiny part. It doesn't answer the entire meditation. So we have to have a different meditation to find in the time for the meditation. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, so this is a... Uh, <coughs> I think either we find so many time to meditate or we totally find no time for meditation. Through outcome, maybe I think like outcome of uh, this meditation, either you find so many time for meditation <laughs> or finding no time for meditation. <coughs> uh, so, uh, this is, is my key point is uh, not just the scheduling. So that's just wants to make it clear. Ske scheduling is really one tiny part of the finding the time for meditation, but this is not the f ultimate answer for finding the time for meditation. So what is way we are doing that? How we should do that? I have no idea, but I'm sure the scheduling is the not. <laughs> Now, <coughs> now, if if we just kind of like a looking into the our behavior of the mind, if we ask this question, "Do I have time for meditation?" We might have a million answers saying no, because of this, because of this, because it will be like, or because of this was, because of this, because that. I have no time. You know, maybe immediately that comes. So this is very interesting, you know, like immediately it's like, uh, <coughs> uh, so, uh, so my one way to look at it, another way to look at it, if, if I have a time to become angry and disappointed and depressed, Do I have a time, or <laughs> do I have time to <laughs> time to get, you know, uh, frustrated? I think we need to find the meditation time for meditation through this space. I have no choice. We'll, the answer will be I have no choice, and that no choice answer should be applied for meditation too. I have no choice, but. Somehow we doesn't come with that. You know, when 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 we ask, we never ask such a question. Do I have a time to get anger? <laughs> I have no time to get anger. <laughs> uh, that would be really good. You know, we will be really. I have no time to get upset. <laughs> I'm I'm so packed. <laughs> I have no time <laughs> to get disappointed. <laughs> okay, so usual no natural answer is like, yeah, I have no choice. So no choice. 
is the answer, I think. No choice. If the, if the rest of these things have no choice, so we need to find the time for meditation through no choice. <laughs> no choice approach. But anyway, uh, <coughs> uh, pretty much meditation, sh so if that is the case, meditation should not become choice, isn't it? If it's a, we are choosing and it becomes kind of a choice, then yes, we have to have a time, we have to schedule. So this concept of a choice, I don't know, this is my thought, you know, because the time is one of the key things that <coughs> really we can struggle, we'll be struggling, you know, so, and uh, time is a choice, and that, you know, like, then there's uh, so many things have no choice, and something have a choice, something have no choice, and all that kind of things. So finding time. <coughs> Now, it's an interesting part. Now, now, again, I think we need to do some kind of self-assessments. Like, I want to do meditation, but I have... A, the minute we think to trying to do one, you know, kind of quality meditation, there's one thought kicks out, oh, I have a, this deadline. <laughs> now, you know, this is kind of like, you know, like, okay, then... You know, I, I don't know, but then, you know, like, when when I'm upset, I never remember my deadline. <laughs> Things to do, something deadline. So, I don't know, it is, a, it is a interesting to, to observing, kind of like a self-evaluation of, a, you know, some, some thought experience, we have a, some deadlines, some thought experience, that deadline doesn't come. And, uh, you know, like, anyway, uh, <coughs> the key point over here is, uh, I don't know, it is, uh, it is, uh <laughs> I don't know, I have a, uh, I haven't, uh, you know, quality definitely can interrupt it when you say, okay, I have uh, this deadline, so I need to do, want to do this meditation. You know, it already ruined the minute we reflect into the deadline. Our meditation is ruined because it becomes very conditional. <coughs> it's limited, it's everything. So, uh, so I think, uh, Anyway, uh, uh, the, my key point is, uh, you know, 
if we want to take meditation is much more into deeper level, I think the time, the concept of a scheduling, that kind of structure, I think is uh, may not necessarily be the perfect answer. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, like sh for s for a certain level, for like just general meditation, maybe scheduling is good. You know, kind of like a yoga. You know, in the in the great practitioners of yoga, even. It's not only morning. It's not only you know. It's not only like three times a day. It's all day is a yoga practice. You know, it's somehow they practice. They are they're living. Uh, so in a similar way. <coughs> okay, sorry, just all over myself. Then <coughs> now, th I think one question comes: When you start meditation, do you start meditation through disappointment, or you start meditation through reaction, or, or you start meditation? What is the key ingredients required to jumpstart of meditation? <laughs> Uh, no, so here I, I will say, sad story of our life have to be part of our meditation. Let me put this way. Sad story of our life, part of our meditation. I mean, like, it needs to be part of that. So, what I'm, then, uh, also, one ingredient, small dose of inspiration is Im important also. Now, if there's no sad story, can we have a very charming inspiration without sad story? <laughs> we like that. We want you know, just pure 100% <laughs> organic <laughs> inspiration, <laughs> not with a sad story attached. I think for a meditator, I think we have to have a combo, <laughs> both <laughs> a sad story and a dose of inspiration. And uh, that have to be the fuel of the meditation, I think the sad story, and the dose of inspiration. Small doses of inspiration, I think. Uh, so, uh, <coughs> so meditator, you know, if, you're if things are so crazy, and you're trying to, okay, I want to shut down, and I want to get some peace. It is, a, is it, yeah, still good, it's temporary meditation. And, uh, Meditation is to, to, you know, I think, you know, meditation is to, uh, how to transform or the chaos 
karmic chaos and ultimately to transform that. <coughs> so I think it is a, uh, you know, the time, you know, basically for meditation, one thing is about the time, one is about karmic chaos. So it is a, you know, s this whole integration is, I think, is a very important, basically what I'm trying to communicate. So <coughs> because of what, and otherwise, you know, let me, s you know, if we need to meditate impermanent, the same routine as we schedule our routine, it becomes routine, time is routine, the topic is routine, of course you, it will get really boring quick <laughs> because of routine. Okay, so, so part of the meditation is uh, accepting karmic chaos inviting our karmic chaos part of the, our meditation and somehow awakening courage it's not about kind of like a meditation is to shut down all the problem and kind of like a so this is i think like of course sometimes we need to shut down we need some space and break but the long term meditation is not to shut down the karmic chaos and uh, you know so so of course it's not easy you know to it's easy to say but you know uh, this is a, you know mind is interesting you know it have a habit problem but s small kind of break can break also <laughs> you don't need a strong break you know kind of this is a this is a working with the mind is very very you know it is a it is a, it is a <coughs> You know, sometimes it is, sometimes yeah, it is very you know, interesting. Is a, it is a, all type of a movie put together in one movie. <laughs> it's like the what you call the action, the drama, and the comedy, and the everything, in in a, in a one story. So, so <coughs> uh, basically able to observe the self and observe the mind is the fundamental. You know, step number one. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I'll stop here. Thank you for listening to the Maitripa College podcast. If you would like to learn more about Maitripa College, please visit our website at maitripa.org. M-A-I-T-R-I-P-A dot O-R-G. This podcast was produced by Alfredo Pinheiro, Kate McDonald, Andrew Hughes, and me, your host, Tiffany Blumenthal. <laughs>